have your Bibles tonight, we're in the book of Mark, chapter number 2 this evening. Mark, chapter number 2. We know that in the passage of Scripture we'll begin reading in verse 23 in just a moment. We know that the Lord has been at the house, the home of Levi. Remember he saw Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. He told Levi, he said, follow me. And uh, Levi got up and began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And Levi threw a great banquet and he asked Jesus to come. And Levi invited all of his friends. And all of his friends were sinners. He didn't really know any saved people. The Lord just brought the disciples with him. That was the only people he knew that was even right with God. And no doubt there was many that got saved that day with Jesus being there with the people, teaching them and speaking to them as they ate a meal together. But outside the building were the Pharisees. Oh, they were quite upset. They thought, how is this man eating and drinking with sinners? And they were quite infuriated. And we know that they began to question with the disciples why Jesus would eat with them. But disciples didn't know what to say. And the Lord began to speak about those Pharisees and rebuke them uh, for their thought process. And uh, this has got these Pharisees and religious rulers and elders, they are bent out of shape and they're now in a position of finding fault with Jesus about every opportunity that they can find. And I just wonder tonight, have you ever had a time in your life when others treated you like you could do nothing right? Surely all of us have experienced times when People have criticized our efforts or they've challenged our motives. And it seems like everything we tried to accomplish was met with skepticism and resentment. I want to say tonight, if you have ever met, been met with such difficulty, you're not alone. Jesus was faced with this same skepticism and criticism and legalisms. I had gone to preach uh, in a meeting I'll probably be in trouble for saying it, but I'd gone to preach in a meeting. I'd preached there four or five nights, and a couple invited my wife and I to their home and said, we just sat down to the meal there, and maybe some pie or whatever, and they said, we just wanted to warn you before God killed you. And I said, what? Th thank you for warning me, but what are you talking about? They said, well, we've noticed that you've worn a blue shirt that's short sleeves, and you took your jacket off, and God will kill you for that. You, you can't show your forearms and you can't have a different colored shirt. And well, tonight I've got on this multicolored shirt and, and I'm sure that that's probably going to tear somebody out of the frame because of the shirt that I, that I wore. And, and I said, well, and I started to argue and say, well, where's that in the scripture? That you can't wear anything but a white long sleeve shirt when you're preaching the gospel and that you have to leave your coat on even at such so I just left there and thanked them. But by the time I got home, I was upset. And I studied halfway through the night some scriptures to come back and preach that next night. And I was going to wear a red shirt that was short-sleeved. Y'all would too, just to say, hey, what are y'all thinking? But God said, look at your closet. There's at least three shirts in there that's white. They're clean. You're going to upset them if you wear that multicolored shirt you wear what they've asked you to wear. They've already told you they're offended. Do what they say. I was never invited back uh, after that week of revival, but God saved a whole bunch of people that week. 
And legalism, what it does to me, have y'all ever wore a pair of shoes that was too small? I mean a pair of shoes that was maybe even two sizes small and you regretted your decision every step you took, but that's just what you had to wear that night to make everything work out. And there was no such joy as taking off those shoes that bound you and hurt every step you took. Legalism binds you and ties you up and there's nothing just like getting rid of that legalism out of your life. Now I want to look in Mark chapter 2 and verse 23. And it came to pass that as he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn and the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So number one, three things tonight. Number one, there's a confrontation. Do you see it? What is the confrontation about? Well, there's an incident. Jesus has left Levi's house with his disciples. Maybe it's the next day. And, and Jesus is traveling with his disciples on a path. And on that path that they're traveling, it's not a big wide road that we know now, but on that path there's many fields around. And as they're traveling, his disciples were hungry and they began to pull some of that corn or maybe it was grain, and they began to take the heads off of it and they began to eat it because they were hungry. Do you read in verses 23 or 24 that Jesus restrained them or that Jesus rebuked them and told them they were wrong? Jesus would never condone or he would never lead his disciples into sin. Jesus did not say a word to them about them being hungry and going to a neighbor's field and plucking grains of wheat or ears of corn and beginning to eat it. Jesus said not a word about the incident. But then there is an indictment, verse 24, the Pharisees, I don't know if they were hid out in the field, I don't know if they were spying and pulled back the corn leaves and said, aha, the word is behold. That means looky, 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 look here. Now the Pharisees are watching and they declare that the disciples have, have they've broken the law. Well, Preacher Darren, yeah, they've stole somebody else's corn. All right, well, wait just a minute. Let's go to Deuteronomy. We'll be turning just a little bit tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and let's just read about this incident that's going on here. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and I want to read in verse number 24 and verse 25. We'll read them together uh, in your hearing. Deuteronomy 23, verses 24 and 25. When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat the grapes, excuse me, you may eat grapes thy fill at thine own pleasure, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. What does that mean? That means if you're traveling and someone comes along the pathway and they get hungry, the Lord has made a provision for the end or the corners of your field that a passerby can stop and pull down one of those ears of corn, bust it open and eat it and then continue on their journey. That's a provision of the word of God. 
It's grace and mercy. Do you see it there? You remember when Ruth the Moabitess came home? Remember what the Bible says? That she was able to, uh, she was able to eat out of the reap, out of the corners of the field. Uh, an incredible thing, how, how good God is with his grace and mercy. And, and so we see here that the Lord is allowing us, as we come by the grapes, we can eat a cluster of grapes and get our fill and go on. But the Lord said, you're not to bring a basket with you and get a whole basket full so that you can go down the market and sell your neighbor's grapes. Or you're not to bring a sickle to reap all their corn and go to the marketplace and sell it. It's just for you at that moment. So when the Pharisees found fault, they're not finding fault that these boys are passers-by breaking open the ears of corn. They're upset because it's the Sabbath day. That these disciples have broken the Sabbath day by pulling down one ear of corn and beginning to break it open and starting to eat it. Are you all okay with that statement? Now, let's go back to our text. Then these Pharisees are infuriated that the disciples have broken the Sabbath. Now, what is the Sabbath day? This message is right up front and very personal with where we are right now. We have different um, types of denominations. There, there are Seventh-day Adventists. There are Seventh-day Baptists that believe that you need to keep the Sabbath holy. The Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week. It is Saturday. Let's talk about that for a second. The Sabbath means that after six days of creation in Genesis chapter 2, on the seventh day, God ceased from his work and he rested. He did not cease because he was tired. He did not cease because he was weary. He ceased because he was done. And when he rested on the seventh day, he rested in joy, completion, fulfillment, and satisfaction. The Sabbath was God's and not man's. In fact, God shared his pattern for the Sabbath with Adam and Eve. What he's saying is, and this ought to be a blessing to you, God said, I don't want you working seven days a week. Somebody ought to say, amen. Thank God for grace and thank God for mercy that I shouldn't have to work seven days a week. And you understand that when God created Adam and Eve, they were living where? In the Garden of Eden. And for them, before they sinned, every day was a perpetual Sabbath of rest. They had fellowship, they walked with God, and they had peace until they sinned. And when they sinned, God drove them out of that garden. Now, we know that when the children of Israel oh, came out of the bondage of Egypt and they're out in the wilderness, God from Mount Sinai gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is to keep the Sabbath holy. Amen. What about the Sabbath? We need to reverence and worship Almighty God. God wanted Israel to look backwards. What are they looking backwards at? And what they lost. They used to be in the paradise, but because of their sin, now they're having to work six days a week and respect the seventh day. God said you're not to have any fire. God said you're not to have any cooking. God said you're not to have any buying. You're not to have any selling. You're not to have any toiling. Remember in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have to buy or sell. They didn't have to have a fire. They didn't have to cook. God just provided for them. 
So what he's saying is this seventh day is a look back at what you lost. It's also not just a look backward, but it's a look inward. God, God wants us to reflect upon his law. God wants us to reflect upon his person. God wants us to reverence him and to worship him. It's also a look forward. A look forward. What do you mean? There's coming a day of rest. One day when we're in paradise with God Almighty forever and ever, it's going to be even better than it was in the Garden of Eden. It'll be rest all the time. No more work, no more buying, no more selling, thank God. No more having to cook, no more fires, praise God for it. What a blessing that that is. The Pharisees have completely missed the original purpose of the Sabbath. And they changed the Sabbath into legalism. Now, they added many, many laws to the Sabbath. And this is what they're doing. They're saying that what God's Word said was not enough. We need to clarify it and add to it. And they wrote something called the Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D. And in the Talmud, there is man-made traditions and man-made laws that adds to the Word of God. Did you know that in the Talmud, there are 39 points uh, that are concerning the Sabbath. And each of the 39 points has 39 subpoints. There are 1,521 man-made laws about how you could possibly break the Sabbath. I'm going to preach all of them tonight. 15, no, I'm just kidding. 1,521 laws that they wrote which are man-made traditions, legalism. And so the Sabbath day was no longer a day that man could rest and have peace and reverence and worship God. It became a day of anxiety. It became a day of, oh, somebody's watching me. I, I can't do this. I can't. Let me just tell you some of their man-made rules out of that 1,521, okay? You cannot kill a flea that's biting you because that's labor. You can't move a chair because it might leave a furrow or a place on the rug and that's plowing. You can't wear a coat because you might take it off and begin to carry it, which is considered bearing a load or a burden. On the Sabbath, this is a bad one, you can't take a bath because if water drops on the floor, you might be tempted to dry it up and that's considered work. You're not allowed to look in a reflecting glass called a mirror. You might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it which is considered reaping. You can't take something and throw it and have someone else catch it. That's considered work. You're not allowed to blow out a candle. That's considered work. You're forbidden to travel more than three thousand feet. I would remind you these disciples are walking on a path on the Sabbath day and they've come to a cornfield where they broke open those ears of corn. They probably traveled more than 3,000 feet. But the Pharisees added, listen, well, preacher, didn't they broke the law? No, that's man-made tradition law. They didn't break God's law. They broke man-made legalistic laws. And what they did was these Pharisees added to it, you can go 3,000 feet, but if you're smart enough to hide a meal at the end of that 3,000 feet, then you could go another 3,000 feet. And if you hide another meal, you could go another 3,000 feet. And then you can take a rope as long as the rope is to stretch it, and that's how far you can go. Wow. 
unbelievable. Listen to this. Pompey, General Pompey invaded Jerusalem, the Israelites. And you know what he did? It? He did it on the Sabbath day. And the Jews did not rise up and defend themselves and were conquered because he was wise enough to tackle them then. You see what legalism does? It wants to impose man-made rules on others to police them. It says that you have to have Jesus plus something else to be saved. They make a big deal out of what is considered nothing to God. Legalism majors on the minors and minors on the majors. It is stifling and it is suffocating. People that are in legalism, they want high justice and low mercy. They, do, they demotivate people from serving God with their restrictions and with their prohibitions. And I'm telling you that every one of us, nod your head, has got a little bit of Pharisee in us because we look at people and say, boy, that ain't right. That ain't right. And sometimes we've got no biblical reason for the statement we just made. We just wasn't raised and taught that way. It was just tradition. Never forget going to somebody's house and, man, they had a fresh loaf of bread that they'd baked there. And I said, man, this is the best bread I ever had in my life. And, and uh, tell me, what's the secret? And the ladies, I, I, they served it. It had both ends cut off of it. I said, I said, is it fresher and more moist because you cut the ends off of it? I mean, my favorite part of the bread is the end piece. My wife will tell you that. But y'all cut them off. Why'd y'all do that? And the, the lady said, well, I don't know. Let me ask my mama. She's in here in the kitchen. And mama came out and I asked her. She said, well, I don't know. Let me ask my mama. That'd be grandmama. She's in here in the kitchen too. And grandma come out. They've been doing it this way for 60 years. And she said, oh, honey, we just don't have a plate big enough to serve the whole loaf. So we cut both ends off to make it look pretty. And, the, and her, her daughter and granddaughter had been doing that for 60 years. Just tradition. And if they'd have ever done it different, they'd have thought, boy, that's taboo. You can't do that. Let me tell you something. We strain in a gnat and we swallow a camel. Legalism will shoot a mosquito with a cannon. And in fact, they'll shoot everything around and eventually they'll shoot you. Amen. There's a difference between observing God's Sabbath and serving, observing man-made laws. Jesus ignored all 1,521 of their man-made laws. He traveled more than 3,000 feet that day and it was not a sin. He allowed his disciples to get the neighbor's corn and bust it open on the Sabbath day because they had a need, because they were hungry. And it was not a sin. And always, listen, there, look at it. There's no rebuke from God. There's no rebuke, rebuke, rebuke from Jesus whatsoever. All we see here, behold, why do they on the Sabbath day do that which is not lawful? All we notice is their sour, critical disposition. And legalism will insert someone's big nose in everybody else's business. They're control freaks trying to police everybody else. All they want to do is spy and fault find. Here we find a great confrontation about the Sabbath. And the day we live right now, I know people that I come in contact, contact with weekly, there's confrontation. We've had discussions over the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. So, number two, 
Let's look at the communication of Jesus. Why, why did Jesus not rebuke his disciples? Why did Jesus not give in to the pressure of the Pharisees? All right, the communication. Jesus says in verse 25, he said to them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was and hungered? He and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat but for the priests and gave also to them which were with him? Now, if you read, if you want to read, let's turn back also to Matthew chapter 12. Turn back there, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus in verses, uh, this is the same parallel passage in verses 1, 2, and verse 3 and 4, he's speaking there about Abiathar and how David came to him. So I want you to just hold your place in Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus is going to give three places, three places, recognizing needs and mercy on the Sabbath day. First of all, here in the writings, Jesus appeals to these Pharisees. He says, I want you to, we're going to start, we're going to look in a minute uh, in Matthew 12, just hold your place there. Jesus appeals to these Pharisees and said, listen, don't you remember about your hero, King David? What, when he had a need, he's referring to 1 Samuel 21. David and the catalog of mighty men are on the run from King Saul. And David and his men were desperately hungry. And they went to the temple where they went to the priest and said, do you have anything to eat in the temple? We're starving to death, man. We're on the run. And the priest said, we don't have any food here except for the showbread. Twelve loaves of bread that were baked a week at a time and they were only to be placed on a certain table. They were considered holy. And after some time, they were given to the priests for the priests to eat. They were consecrated and separated for the priests. After they'd been on the table of a showbread dedicated to God. And here comes David, hungry. And the priest gives to David that which was separated and consecrated for the priest or for God. And he gave it to David. And David and his men ate those 12 loaves of bread and they were satisfied and they were thankful and they glorified God in it. Now, the Pharisees had no problem with giving that which is holy unto David for him to eat it. But now they say the Sabbath day, you can't eat that corn on the Sabbath day, or at least you can't reap that corn on the Sabbath day. So he's going to the writings of the Word of God in 1 Samuel 21. He's teaching that the Sabbath does not restrict deeds of necessity, that human needs are more important than observing the Sabbath. Amen. Now you're in Matthew 12. Look at verse number 5. Again he says, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Now, that's the second time Jesus said, have you not read? Now, these Pharisees are supposed to be experts in the law. And he's having to remind them, have you not read about David and the showbread? You didn't have a problem with that, so there shouldn't be no problem with this. Now he gives them a second point. 
Have you not read that the priests, they're in the temple, they're profaning the Sabbath? Preacher, what does that mean? You know what the priest has to do on the Sabbath day? He has to light a fire. He has to sacrifice animals. He has to lift those sacrifices, move those sacrifices. He's, he's having to do double duty. I've talked with these people that want to observe the Sabbath day, and they said, well, we'll just move it to the Sunday. And I said, well, guess what? They said, people ought not to work on Sunday. I said, well, guess what? I do. I do. You don't have any problem with me preaching to you. If I didn't preach to you every Sunday, you'd fire me. You expect me to work, but you say it's not good for anybody else to work. Amen? Did you know that when I came to church today and I hit the, uh, on a Sunday and I hit the power button, somebody's got to be there to cut the power grid on so you have lights, so you have heat. Somebody's going to have to go to work out of necessity. And you can condemn all you want to and say, that ought, that ought not to be a job for a saved person. Go ahead and condemn all you want to, but it's just judgment. It's preference. It's legalism. Do you see it there? And so Jesus says in verse 6, he says, I say unto you, that in this place is one greater than the temple. He's saying, listen, if the priest has a right to overlook Sabbath restrictions to serve in the temple, then Jesus being greater has the right to do the work of God as do the priest. Jesus is the greatest and highest priest you'll ever know. Amen. So the writings of the word of God, the scripture, allow it for human necessity. And the, uh, the, the, uh, the law of God uh, speaks about it as well. I, I could turn to scriptures in, in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and probably Deuteronomy if I look close enough and show you that this was allowed. Then what about the prophets? Now look, you're in verse number 7 of Matthew 12. But if you had known what that this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Now he's talking about the prophets. Do you know this is a direct quote from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God tells us that it is more important than anything else to have mercy. So what he says is the Sabbath has not been violated when we serve God. The Sabbath has not been violated when we're showing mercy. The Sabbath has not been violated when we're satisfying meeting the needs of people that are in need. Amen. So we see the communication that Jesus has with them. Let's go back to our text. We're back in Mark chapter 2. And Jesus has communicated with them. He, he's beginning to illustrate, showing them their own faults in this judgmental situation. Thirdly, and I'm done, we see the clarification. He said unto them, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. You see that? God made the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. Woo, that's huge to someone who's a legalist, to someone that says we're going to observe. So let's think for a second. If you're listening to me, if you've got through it this far, I want to challenge you right here. If you're going to keep the Sabbath holy, then keep it all the way. According to the word of God, you can't light a fire. So if you are carrying firewood in the middle of December for a fire at your house, but you're someone who says, I'm going to observe Saturday 
as the Sabbath day and anybody else that's not observing it, you ain't saved and you're wrong, you just broke your own law. Okay? If you're going to observe Sabbath law, observe it every dot of it, every bit of it. Don't pick and choose what you're going to do and not do. You can't pick and choose. It all sticks together. So if you're going to observe it, don't light a fire. Don't cook anything. You've broken the law when you cook anything. And I can give you scripture for that. In fact, if you want to look it up, you can't kindle a fire. Exodus 35.3. That's the word. You can't gather fuel. Numbers 15. You can't carry a burden. Jeremiah 17. You can't transact business. Nehemiah 10 and chapter 13 as well. I could go there if you want to. Or I'm just trying to move on because I'm not feeling well tonight. But I'm telling you, I can challenge you if you want to have a discussion. It's not just Jesus plus keeping the Sabbath, honey. It's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus plus nothing else. Hey, I need amen. Church, do you believe me? It's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus baptism, right? It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus plus you giving your tithe. It's not Jesus plus you, plus you have to come to Sunday school 50 out of 52 times. Honey, it's just Jesus. And thank God it is just Jesus. So Jesus says the Sabbath was made for the man. He doesn't want you working seven days a week. Right? He wants you to rest. Amen. And not man for the Sabbath. Okay? So do you know, I mentioned it earlier, that the Sabbath day is Saturday. Jesus died at the end of the week. Uh, he was crucified. Some debate Friday, some debate Thursday. I could spend some time show you tonight what I believe. That's not important to this message tonight. But I know that on the first day of the week, Jesus got up. The first day of the week is Sunday. That's the day Jesus arose. So let's go back to the law. Let's, we're going to keep the law. We're going to keep the text. Jesus plus keeping the law. Honey, the law on Sabbath day, on Saturday, Jesus was still dead. I don't know why I'm pointing over there, but Jesus was still dead in the tomb. Yes, he was. On Saturday, Jesus was still in the grave. The law cannot save you. Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. You know how you keep the Sabbath? Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus. The Sabbath is a day of rest. Je well, I'm going to jump this thing. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. Salvation in Jesus' name is my Sabbath. I studied. There, I'm trying to quit. There are ten commandments, all of which are repeated in the New Testament except one, the Sabbath day. It's not in there. Preacher did away with it. No, no. He didn't do away with it. I just told you. He fulfilled it. Jesus is our Sabbath. And we're not, we gather on the first day of the week. That's considered to be the Lord's day, the day Jesus resurrected. Every time we gather on a Sunday morning, we are commemorating the Lord resurrecting from the dead. Victory over death, hell, and the grave. And sometimes we come in here like we're dead, but honey, Jesus ain't dead. We need to be alive because Jesus is alive. And that's why we worship on the Lord's day and not on the Sabbath day. And honey, I might say that on the Lord's day, you may say, oh, Preacher Darren, I can't light a fire on the Lord's day. Yes, you can. Well, Preacher Dear, now listen now. now. This is the way I believe, Preacher Dear. I believe you ought not to go out to eat. On the, on, okay, that's fine. That's your preference. I'm for you. That's great. That doesn't offend me whatsoever. But you can't come up with something, 
somebody else goes out to eat on a Sunday and you get mad at them, it's not in the Bible. I just said Jesus is the fulfillment, amen? It's not in the Bible that you can't go out to eat on Sunday. Some of y'all all be saying, glory to God, preacher. Thank you for standing up and clarifying that tonight. Hallelujah. I've been judged on that too long, amen. And if you're still here and you're upset with me and you want to go somewhere else, well, I'm sorry, I love you. We'll fellowship over something else, amen. But I'm just telling you, I'm giving you the word of God. Now, I do believe in this, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching that Jesus is coming? We ought to be more faithful to the Lord's house than we've ever been before. Because we need it, amen. Amen. So, Preacher Darren, how do I observe? Look what he said in verse 28. Therefore, therefore. Now, if I'm teaching math, I put a little dotted triangle. That means therefore. The Son of Man, capital S, Son of Man, is Lord, capital L, also of the Sabbath. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He is Lord over the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What does Sabbath mean but rest? He said, I'll give you Sabbath. I'll give you rest if you'll come to me. I'm telling you, we are steeped in legalism in our lives. We are steeped in legalism in our families. We are steeped in traditions in our families. Well, preacher Darren, we don't know. Listen, these things are about preference. Preference will divide churches. I mean, how many of y'all, I've done this before. How many of y'all, you, you like hot dogs? Okay. Of those of you that just voted, I have a question for you. How many of you that voted you like hot dogs? How many of you like ketchup on your hot dog? Not everybody did. How many of you like mustard on your hot dog? How many of y'all like sauerkraut on your hot dog? Oh, well, the Bible says if you don't live sauerkraut on your hot dog, you're going to die and go to hell. So you better learn how. That's what they're trying to preach to you when they preach legalism, Jesus plus keeping sauerkraut on a hot dog. Don't make no sense, does it? And now let us say that tonight at Bethel we have had a vote and the vote results has split the church three ways from Sunday. Some like ketchup on the hot dog, some like hot, some like mustard on the hot dog, and some like sauerkraut on the hot dog. And we're separated and divided and there's no hope for us. That's foolish, right? That's foolish logic. So is the logic that's being presented to you here by those fault-finding, criticizing Pharisees, all they were there to do was try to attack and accuse and to trip Jesus up. And instead, he turned it around on them and said, uh, look here, have you never read? You're saying, have, have, we're doing something wrong. Have you never read? Have you? He showed them the writings of the scripture. He showed them the writings of the law. He showed them the writings of the prophets in three places and proved it, Amen. And it's important for you and I tonight, amen, not to be quick to judge people and bring them in condemnation because the color of their shirt. Thank God they've got one on. I've been in places where people have got up and preached that a woman was wrong if she decided to wear makeup. I just want to say thank God she does. 
I did ought to be a sin not to, amen. For some people, amen. Say amen or oh me. I told you tonight. I'm just telling you the truth. It's the truth, right? So you stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Father, tonight, I thank you for the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God. Father, let it be our guide. Let it be our truth. Lord, help us not to fall for the sour, critical disposition of those who are just trying to have it their way, who's trying to police everyone else, who's trying to force us into shoes that are two sizes too small, who are trying to make us eat hot dogs with sauerkraut on them. God, help us not to see the truth of the Word of God. And Father, see Jesus. What did Jesus have to say about the legalism of that day? What did Jesus have to say about the Sabbath day? Lord, if we'll see Jesus in this situation, we would be without error. Father, thank you for the time we have together tonight. Thank you for these people that have gathered in tonight and supported. And, and Lord, I appreciate these who've tuned in online. May you bless the sick and the afflicted. May you save souls. Thank you, God, for the souls you've saved this week. It's been incredible. What a great work you're doing. For this we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say...